0: Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of his word as we seek to understand his message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, "My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, But it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible. This is Josh. We've been walking through the book of Matthew, and now we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 5, the first 12 verses. This section is famously known as the Beatitudes. So Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12, and it reads like this. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. From the beginning of time, mankind has sought after happiness. An Amazon search for books on happiness will bring back over 60,000 results. Books with titles like The Art of Happiness, A Handbook for Living, or Happiness, A Guide to Developing Life's Most Important Skill, or The How of Happiness, and Hungry for Happiness. Thousands of years ago, the ancient Greeks, Herodotus being a main player in this field, held to the idea that happiness was unattainable. We were all simply pawns on a board played by the gods. We were only safe on the other side of death. Later, Socrates came on the scene, debunking that earlier view and proclaiming that happiness was not only possible, but within our grasp. There have been thoughts throughout history that happiness comes through indulging our every desire and doing what makes us feel good. Yet others have said that that is not the case. But happiness will come to those with a well-ordered life. Any fans of tidying up with Marie Kondo here? Even for us in America, our founding documents are inscribed with the desire and intention of mankind to make the pursuit of happiness a major player in our daily life. How many things do we do each day, all so we can be happy? How much money is spent worldwide looking for things that will make us happy? In our relationships, how often do we hear the phrase, Oh, I just want them to be happy. Yet, for all its pursuits, mankind has found happiness to be elusive. It seems to be a moving target. As man defines what happiness is and what will get us there, the target seems to shift and humanity is left wandering in the dust of each failed venture into this pursuit of happiness. The issue is that mankind has pursued happiness in an attempt to find what it really needs, blessedness. Enter the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, the section famously known as the Beatitudes. As we will see, Jesus gives us exactly what we need to live a blessed or flourishing life. Now, I find it interesting, each of the Beatitudes begin with a statement, blessed are. It would be easy to think as we read through the remainder of the Sermon on the Mount over the next few episodes, we're going to hear stuff like, hey, you know, watch your anger. Hey, watch your lust. Hey, watch how you treat other people. Watch how you treat uh, the, the, those around you. Watch how you interact with God and and we feel as we read these sometimes that they're, they're rules and they're, that they are uh, binding and confining. But Jesus begins this message with a section telling us how we can live a blessed life, how we can live a flourishing life, because that is exactly what Jesus came to do. And that is exactly what God wants from us. He wants us to flourish. He does not want us to live a life of drudgery and meaninglessness but he wants us to live a life of vitality and life we can read passages such as john 10:10 10, 10. jesus claims that i have come that you may have life and that you might have it abundantly that is the life that jesus wants us to have and not only in in eternity he wants us to live that abundant life now and so he gives us this section on the beatitudes and really defines for us what it means to live blessed or as we shall see uh, flourishing. Now, if we take a look at that word for blessed in the Greek, it's the word "makarios." It, most of the time, as as you are aware, has been defined as blessed. But also, there are some translations that use the word "happy." It could also be defined as joyful, fortunate, or enviable. Really, literally in Greek, the word means to be made large by the favor of God. Now, translation difficulty creates some hardships in English as there is no word that properly conveys the concept of the word used for blessed here, which is makarios. And as such, we see blessed or infrequently happy as the translation. The issue with both of these words is it is incomplete and often even quite different from what Jesus is conveying here. Ultimately, within this word makarios is the idea of this is what human flourishing looks like. To help us understand what is being communicated here, it is helpful to look at the Hebrew equivalent for Makarios. Jonathan Pennington uh, has a book called The Sermon on the Mount and Human Flourishing, which is an absolutely great read. If, if you're interested in, in that kind of reading, I highly recommend it. Um, but he says this, quote, The translational relationship between ashrei which is the Hebrew word, uh, or equivalent rather, for Makarios, is quite exceptional. That is, very rarely in the Septuagint translation of the Hebrew Bible does one find a close one-to-one correspondence of terms and ideas. Typically, a gloss is found that works, but quite a bit of variation naturally occurs. That is, a Hebrew word is usually rendered with a variety of Greek words across the vast expanse of time and genres that the Hebrew Bible represents. A consistent one-to-one translation equivalent is unexpected and uncommon. Notably, however, Ashrei in the Septuagint is always rendered as makarios. Apparently, this is because the two terms and concepts overlap with little remainder. This striking correspondence gives us great reason to believe that the Greek Bible's makarios communicates the same idea of human flourishing and well-being as Ashrei. Now we look at this Hebrew word Ashrei, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so if any of you listening. I uh, know Hebrew better than I do, and if I'm pronoun- mispronouncing that word, uh, may I offer my apologies? Uh, but Ashrei is used 45 times in the Old Testament. 26 of them are in Psalms, and 8 of them are in Proverbs. So they, uh, the term Ashrei and the concept of Ashrei are very heavy in the Psalms and Proverbs. And Ashrei is always connected with the who is being described as Ashrei. It's what's known as a constructive intensive. Um, it's always constructed as such. Ashrei is the one who, followed by you know, the, the characteristic of that person they are describing as Ashrei. Another uh, concept or another uh, foundation of Ashrei is, is that it is always in relation to a person or people who are in proper covenantal relationship with God. We can see in Psalms 1 that Ashrei is used for the word for blessed there in Psalms 1. Ashrei is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. That same word, Ashrei, is used in, in Psalms 2. Ashrei are all who take refuge in him. Over in Psalms 33.12, we see that Ashrei is the one whose God is Yahweh. In Proverbs, the word Ashrei is used to describe the individual who is wise, who seeks wisdom, who fears the Lord. And this term Ashrei, again, is a one on one equivalent with the Greek word that we find in Matthew chapter 5, Makarios, the word that is translated most often as blessed. Here's why understanding Makarios is so important. What comes to your mind when I say blessing? More than likely, you thought of something given or received, such as I was blessed by the gift he gave me, or the Lord has blessed me and given me four children. I was blessed by experiencing the presence of the Lord. We, we think of them as something received. We think of the blessing. All of those are great uses of the word blessed, but not of Makarios. Our understanding of being blessed is that we are receiving something, whether that is material things or spiritual blessings, whatever the case may be. Makarios, however, and thus the Beatitudes, are not speaking of us receiving anything, at least the first part. It is not even speaking of God giving us something, although he most certainly does give us good gifts. But that is not the concept that Asherah, and likewise Makarios, is bringing across. The words used to convey bestowing of blessings, which is our typical understanding of blessing, is the Hebrew word barak in its Greek equivalent, eulogio. Makarios is a statement of being, not receiving. It is much more closely related to the phrase, I am happy, more than so-and-so blessed me. It is a statement of human flourishing. So we understand that blessed are the, of the Beatitudes, is not a guarantee of bestowed gifts, but an assurance that as part of this covenantal relationship between us and the king, we will flourish. Uh, To continue to help us in this manner of thinking, let's go to Psalms chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Now, the word that we see used for blessed here in Psalms, uh, Psalms 1 is ashray. So we're not talking about given or received blessing, but we are talking about a state of being. And where I want to focus for a moment is in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. That is ashray. That is the concept of makarios. The blessedness we see in Psalms is he's liking the blessed man or the Asherah man to this tree in its nature, its flourishing nature, not in anything that is receiving. He says the blessed man, the Asherah man will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. That idea of yielding fruit is the idea of flourishing. This tree is flourishing and thus it is being fruitful. That is ashray, that is makarios, the flourishing in and of itself. And that is also how contrasting the wicked as chaff makes sense here. They are empty, hollow shells, quite the opposite of flourishing. Now there are some important conclusions about the Beatitudes that we can draw from this understanding of makarios, or blessed are the ones. First, it completely eliminates any idea of achieving this flourishing state through works. It is by the grace of God that we can show these characteristics. They are not entrance requirements to the kingdom, but they are descriptions of who people in the kingdom are. It is just like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. They are not achieved by us trying to be more loving, more patient, or more gentle, but the fruit of the Spirit is grown in us as we draw closer to the Lord. Just so, these characteristics when the Beatitudes They're not achieved, but they are grown within us as a gracious work of the Holy Spirit working in us and working through us because we are members of his kingdom. They are, as David Turner says, an indication of God's approval, not requirements to merit his approval. Secondly, this understanding of the Beatitudes as descriptions of gracious characteristics of God's people rather than actions to perform we need to understand that it flavors or permeates the entirety of the sermon. And as we will see moving forward, there is much discussion throughout the sermon on true righteousness versus outward righteousness. Outward righteousness is what the Pharisees were famous for, but Jesus called them whitewashed tombs, pretty on the outside but full of dead bones on the inside. Our understanding of the sermon focuses on who we are inside as a result of the grace of God. And this begins with us properly understanding the Beatitudes as we have described. These are not works to perform. These are characteristics to be as a result of the gracious work of God within us. Now we have spent a few moments here trying to separate the Makarios concept of blessedness or flourishing with what we typically think of as blessing, something that is given and received. Again, we find that concept of blessing in the Hebrew word barak, or the Greek eulageo. But we must not allow the necessary distinction of these concepts to establish an incompatibility between the two. The two concepts blend together in a beautiful way. I can makarios, or I can flourish, because God baraks, or blesses, me. Particularly in the scriptural context, for as I mentioned, the concept of makarios or human flourishing can only be understood and attained within a proper covenantal relationship with God. And what beauty that we can attain it. For the kind of flourishing that Jesus is speaking of here in the Beatitudes is the absolute peak of human existence. It's the pinnacle of our mortal experience. It's the apex of mankind's desire and design. The flourishing that Jesus is talking about here is exactly what mankind has been searching for for thousands of years. It is that happiness that seemingly could be attained by Socrates. It is that pursuit of happiness that Thomas Jefferson included in America's uh, founding documents. It is the flourishing that Jesus is speaking of here is what they were looking for. The flourishing concept of makarios often is a result of the Baruch blessing we we receive from God. Recall the flourishing tree of Psalms 1. It was flourishing because of the received blessings around it, the streams of water, the lush surroundings. And we certainly see that here in the Beatitudes. And that gives us reason to hope. Because here in the first 12 verses of Matthew 5, we are flourishing because of some wonderful and specific promises of God. And this is where some of that already not yet tension that we talked about in the introduction comes in. In each beatitude, we are told that we are flourishing within certain characteristics, makarios concept, because we will obtain a God-given blessing, Barak. The reception of the said blessing is where the already-not-yet tension is felt. We can and do flourish as part of the kingdom of God now. We are graciously gifted by God to become meek, merciful, pure-in-heart people, flourishing in these things now because we know one day in the future we are going to receive some incredible things from God. This in turn allows us to isolate the flourishing characteristics from our current circumstances, which is how verses like 10, 11, and 12 make sense. How can I rejoice in the middle of persecution and slander? Because because my living a flourishing life is not dependent upon my present reality, but it rests on a hope that one day all the burdens of this life will be lifted as we march joyfully into eternity. My ability to look towards that day affects my capacity to flourish today. And so to finish us out in this episode, I want to read a translation of this Matthew passage from Jonathan Pennington. Flourishing are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Flourishing are the mourners, because they will be comforted. Flourishing are the humble, because they will inherit the world. Flourishing are the ones hungering and thirsting for righteousness because they will be satisfied. Flourishing are the merciful because they will be given mercy. Flourishing are the pure in heart because they will see God. Flourishing are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of God. Flourishing are the ones persecuted on account of righteousness because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Flourishing are you whenever people revile and slander and speak all kinds of evil against you on account of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward is great in heaven. In this same way, people slander the prophets who came before you. Thanks for listening. I do ask if this is something that you are enjoying, please share, please comment, share with your friends, share on your social media. My desire, again, is that as we journey through the word, God's Word does not return void, and so I want you to be blessed uh, by uh, the teaching of His Word.